0: Okay, I'm at Boston College, one of the top schools in the area. I'm in class on Monday and I'm going to class and I'm getting great grades and I'm going to class. And one day I needed something, so I went to Father Woods' office and I said, "Um, I need such and such. They said, well, hold on, let me pull your file. They went and they pulled my file. And she brought it back. She said, you don't have an application. I said, what's that? And she put my file on the table. It was a yellow sticky note from Pat to Father Woods. And they said, Father Woods, is a remarkable man. He has all the gifts that you could ever ask for. He just needs a chance. That was my application for Boston College. Wow. And a lifetime scholarship because somebody spoke up. That's $50,000 a year.
1: Nearly two decades ago, my guest today was not only serving a 100-year sentence in prison, but he was also running all the gang activity within the facility. After an epiphany in solitary confinement and a lot of hard work, he was released GED in hand, having served just 14 years. His tenacity and passion for people led him to start his transformational program, the Academy of Hope, a program designed to reduce institutional violence in prisons by providing an intense level of intervention while also creating a positive environment for the inmate population and staff. Since his release, his mission has been to teach individuals and corporations how to turn any situation around. His solution-based recovery efforts have impacted regions including Honduras, Bahamas, Sweden, Guatemala, Liberia, and Trinidad. He has lectured on multiple TEDx stages as well as Harvard University and London Business School. And His innovative strategies against gang activity and inmate manipulation has improved correctional systems across the United States. I am pleased to welcome Andre Norman. Andre, are you ready to share your story of hope?
0: I am ready. I'm 100% ready.
1: Yes, sir. You sure are. And I'm so excited to have you on today's show. Now, and we're going to break the ice here with a little interesting fact, little known interesting fact about you, and that is that
0: you are a pastry chef.
1: Tell me how in the world that
0: happened. (laughs) Oh, I was in prison Uh and I was in the school building writing my book, working on my book. And one of the teachers was a um, culinary teacher. He was friends with the teacher, the class I was sitting in. He said, hey, Dre, why don't you join the coronary class? And I was like, ah. And he finally talked me into it. And I went over to the coronary class and I signed up because it was better food.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's three basic fundamental things that you do in the coronary class. You cook meats, you do pay, you do desserts, and you do serving. Like mm-hmm. you rotate a week in each and you rotate for six months until you graduate. When I got to the pastry part, to the desserts, I loved it. Oh, yeah. I made cookies and cakes and pies, and I just stopped doing everything else. I told him, listen, <laughs> this is all I'm doing. It's like, Trey, I don't care. This is what I'm doing. And I spent probably like a year and a half just making pastries. Wow. And, that is so cool. And the, the clever and the best thing of that is what it taught me was I don't cook since I'm home or bake, but the thing I took most from the pastry class is how to follow instructions how to be precise, how to be detailed. Because when you're making a a dessert, it says three cups of flour, two cups of sugar, one teaspoon of salt, you can't change it. It's 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 a science project. And if you don't follow the instructions, you won't get the results. So I did that for almost two years. So now in my regular life, I follow the instructions.
1: I love that. I love that. Oh my goodness. Such a, such a widely applicable thing. And, and it's incredible that you were able to pull that from cooking and I bake all the time and I've learned that, that concept too, but I guess I'd never put two and two together in my brain. And the reason this turns out is because you're following the instructions, but you're absolutely right.
0: When you try to deviate from the instructions, add extra butter, add extra sugar, take away the salt. It doesn't work. (laughs) <laughs> or it sure yeah. doesn't taste as good. <laughs> it doesn't work. Part. If people aren't clamoring for more, it didn't work. <laughs> Something's gonna come out of the oven. What yeah. people want is another story. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh
1: my goodness. Well, thank you for sharing that amazing tidbit. Just as we're kicking off the interview, now let's let's go back into your life to your youth. And kind of set the stage for me. What did growing up look like for you?
0: Growing up for me looked like um, America in the 70s. I was born in 67. So, the last half of the 60s, which, if you know history, was a tremendous, it was a really tough time for Blacks and for Americans. And then the 70s, which was the Black Power Movement and people just getting the opportunity to speak out and be different. And so, I'm growing up in a time of upheaval between blacks and whites. Blacks are trying to assert themselves and take control and whites are trying to say no. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that happened was they said black kids and white kids should go to school together because up until the 70s, most places weren't integrated. They were separated. So I went to all black school for the first two years and didn't even realize it until they sent me to a white school. Mm. And then riding the bus to school and those scenarios where kids would throw rocks at us and throw names at us because... We were trying to integrate, um, right. even though we didn't know what integration meant. A federal judge decided this should happen. I didn't decide it. Mm-hmm. So they weren't mad at the judge, they were mad at me. Mm-hmm. My brothers and sisters and friends, they would throw rocks and stones at us. And what I found out from that from that situation was my father went through the same thing. When he was a young boy growing up in Virginia, kids would throw rocks and names at them just for being black.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it was just an accepted practice. So when it happened to me. It was an accepted practice and so we went through that that season of change in america and we come out of that and you just just find out that life is tough Mm -hmm. and it's tough enough being poor it's tough enough being then you have to be black on top in america in the 70s wasn't easy so then we get to to the better space my parents split up so single mom six kids she's trying to make it work and she's struggling um, my mom had a lot of pride. She wouldn't go on welfare. So she's working three jobs. And I'm watching my mother struggle to try to take care of us. And I'm not understanding the sacrifice or the lesson of not going on welfare. I'm not understanding the, the determination my mother's demonstrating and trying to lift her family up by herself and not taking a handout. I I just see the stuff that I'm not getting
2: mm-hmm.
0: versus the lessons that I should have been getting. And So at some point, I go to the street to find my own way. I wasn't appreciative of what my mother was doing for me. I wanted more. I was greedy in the things that I wanted for myself. So I went out to try to make my own way. And the ways I was making wasn't good. So I'm selling marijuana in the park after school. I'm being cool and I'm being accepted. And I'm getting the things that I want and the response from people for having those things. Mm. So if you have the right stuff, you get the right response or so you think. Mm-hmm. And so I'm getting acknowledged for doing bad. I'm getting applause for having things. So at sixth and seventh grade, my world became materialistic. It's what can I have to generate interest in me? What can I, I'm saying show, that generate interest in me? My character and integrity didn't matter that Did I have the right jacket on, that I have the right shoes on, that I carry the right bag, Did I buy popcorn after school. Those are things that matter all superficial and external things. And I started living in that space. And I gave up on my trumpet, I used to play the trumpet. And I gave up my trumpet for external things. That was something that came from inside of me. Playing that trumpet came from inside. It, it was my spirit speaking into the world through the trumpet. And I gave that up. And when I gave up playing my trumpet, um, because my friends said it wasn't cool. <laughs> And in the ninth grade, your friend saying something's not cool is serious. Yeah. Growing up poor is horrible, but people have done it and made it. Growing up without a dad is tough, but people have done it and made it. Growing up in tough times is hard, but people have done it and made it. Trying to grow up without a dream, it's not possible. Mm. It's not possible. I mean, you might not ever get to your dream, but you can't grow up without one. And when I gave up my trumpet, I gave up my dreams. So I started drifting and I'm in the street full time. And that's when I started getting in trouble more and more and more severe, more serious. So I ended up in court and the judge started giving out sentences. And he gave me a seven to 10, two nine to 10s, two 10s, two 15 to 20s, and a five. Wow. And they put me in a the van, they drove me to prison and they dropped me off.
1: Wow. So one of the lessons to learn here is the importance of not giving up on kids especially in elementary school right
0: not just not giving up on kids you can look at kids in middle school and elementary and you can almost say you know who's going to jail that's the easy part identifying who's going to jail is easy making a stand for them is the hard part
1: yeah absolutely absolutely no and i get that i have as a parent of two choosing- Special needs kiddos, <laughs> I've had to battle for my kids their entire educational lives, you know, and uh, it's tough. It's tough, but but it's al- you do need somebody in there battling for you because you're too young to understand and do it for yourself, right?
0: right. My mother's overwhelmed. My dad's not there, and yeah. the people who knew, it's like, what do you do? So I'm not blaming the teachers and the guidance counselors and the system or probation, or, but. I walked the course that has been laid out for me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a strange course that I was on to anybody else. They mm-hmm. started coming since I was in the second grade, mm-hmm. but nobody put me on another path.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, you bring up some amazing, amazing points here and, and how important it is to uh, give kids the opportunity to learn how they learn best and to give them ample opportunities and, and people who will stand up for them in, in all cases, you know.
0: I mean, standing uh, up doesn't mean adoption. Yeah, standing exactly. it doesn't mean like yelling at my mom, understand the path that I'm walking on and equip me for that path. Mm-hmm. I know I work with people today who are going off the cliff. I don't try to stop them from going off the cliff because they've made the decision. What I teach them is how to climb out of the ravine. Hmm. Teaching people how to fall better is, an a, waste, is a waste of time. <laughs> teach them how to climb out of the ravine. That's what they, that's the lesson this child needs. You're going off the cliff. Cool, let me show you how to climb out.
2: hmm
0: yeah. That's the lessons I needed. This is how you climb out.
1: Yeah, yeah. So why don't you then take me to arriving at prison and the epiphany that you had that helped you learn how to climb out?
0: I Get to the prison, maximum security. You've heard the stories, it's a scary place. And I was scared. And some guys came to me from my neighborhood and they said, hey, join our gang. I'm like, sounds like a good idea to me. So I joined the gang for protection, for camaraderie, for information, for a place in the space to be. And when I joined that gang, my spirit says, I want to be a boss. My spirit says, I lead, I don't follow, but to lead, I have to learn how to follow first. So my goal from day one was to be in charge because it's just an Andre thing. And I went through six years of proving myself, learning lessons, studying, hurting people, doing all the things that you had to do to become the boss. Then I became the third ranking gang member in the state. Um, I've committed numerous um, violent acts against people. I've been convicted twice of attempted murder. I've been placed in solitary confinement in a hole in the basement for two and a half years with no sunlight, and I thought I was winning. I thought these are the things that you needed to do to be successful in this space. So what you saw as a detriment, I saw as a badge of honor. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking that I'm winning because I'm being acknowledged for the things that I'm presenting again. Back in middle school, I have the right bag, I have the right hat, I have the right stuff. People acknowledge I do these violent acts. I get in trouble in this way. I accept this suffering and torture and people applaud me for it. Mm. So I'm thinking I'm doing the right thing because my people around me are applauding. And then I had a a situation where I was going to hurt somebody and God spoke to me. And God said, I don't do this life choice. And I got mad that God spoke to me. I said, why are you speaking to me, God? See, all of my life, there's been no God. When my mother used to get beat to the floor, there was no God. When kids threw rocks at me on a bus and called me a nigga, there was no God. When I was placed in a dummy class at the Edmund P. Towson Elementary School, there was no God. When I had to go out and sell drugs to buy clean clothes, there was no God. And I just went down the list like, listen, I'm not one of your people. It's okay. <laughs> I'm doing fine all by myself. I'm running this whole thing. You go find somebody that's praying to you, get their face in the floor, screaming hallelujah. I'm not on that team. I'm on team up. And God just kept saying, don't do this life choice. And he won the argument. I went back to my (laughs) cell and I sat out. If anybody ever tells you they want to argue with God, they're on medication. (laughs) Don't listen to them. I said, well, if I can't be a psychopath, which is what I was, what's the point of being in jail? There is none, it didn't make sense anymore. If you're not going to drink, you shouldn't be in a bar. So I said, well, what do I want to do? I said, I want to be free. First time in six and a half years of being incarcerated, I thought that thought, I want to be free. So I looked around, I said, I'm, I'm a thinking type of guy. I looked at the white guys, looked at the black guys, looked at the Spanish guys, looked at the, you know what I'm saying, the Asian guys, looked at the guys who worked in the kitchen, the guys who went to church, the guys who walked the yard, the guys who played handball, the guys who played basketball. I looked at everybody. Everybody who went home came back. Not one group went home and had success. So I said, free doesn't work. Free's a trick. So I said, I want to be free because everybody who's free comes back. So I said, I want to be successful because successful people don't come here. I said, if I go home and be successful, I'll never come to prison again. So I said, i go home and be successful. I deduce successful people come from college. So I picked a school called Harvard University. And I came out my cell the next day. I told all my friends, I figured it out. I'm going home. I'm going to Harvard. I'm going to be successful. And they looked at me like I was crazy. I said, I figured it out because I'm like really serious. I said, I'm going home. I'm going to go to Harvard and be successful. They said, you can't do that. I said, why? They said, you're black. You're a gang member. You're violent. You can't read good. You're poor. They told me all the reasons I couldn't go. And what I was hearing, when my friends in the ninth grade who stole my trumpet, who told me playing the trumpet was stupid because I'm black, I'm poor, it'll do nothing for me. Let that go. So I didn't know the scripture at the time Satan get behind me. So I just said, man, y'all get out of my way. And I went in my cell and I looked in the mirror. I said, what's inside of me that's stopping this from happening? And I started fixing that list. I made a list. Went to school, got my GED. Went to the law library, taught myself the law. I went to anger management because I had a slight anger management problem. I (laughs) I just started working on that list. It took me eight years of working 20 hours a day to get to the bottom of that list. And they said, "Okay, you can go home now. I reversed the case on appeal, I had changed my attitude, changed my perception, changed my walk of life, changed my energy and my spirit, and it was recognized and I was given the opportunity to be free. Eight years of working 20 hours a day, I walked into the parking lot. I said, I'm free, but that's not the goal. Mm. Freedom wasn't the goal because freedom doesn't work. So I didn't get content with freedom. I said, I'm going for success. And I got out in November and in January I was in community college. Then next, that, that June, they had a thing at my school where you can have matriculation agreement. I heard about where you can take classes on other campuses. So I went to the guidance conference. I said, I want to do matriculation. They said, well, what school? They gave me a book. Now look, there was three different universities, it was UMass Boston, it was Wheelock College, and a couple. Of, I said, I want to go to this one, and this one, and this one. They said, no, no, let's pick one. I said, "Why?" they said, that's how we do it. I said, what's the rule? Oh, we just generally pick one. And that's what you generally do. <laughs> I said, What is the rule? Is there a rule that says I can't go to more than one school? Well, we don't recommend it. I believe you. I'm not asking for a recommendation at this moment, sir. I'm asking what the rule says. He says, Well, the rule says you can go to multiple colleges. I said, Well, thank you. I'm going to go to this one, <laughs> <and> this one, <laughs> and this
2: one.
0: He says, I don't recommend it. I said, I understand that. And I, I receive your advice, but you're not my counsel. This is what I want to do. And now I'm taking classes on four campuses. Wow. No, three campuses. UMass Boston, Wheelock College, and Roxbury Community. I'm taking classes on three separate campuses. The thing is, that they may never ask me what my motivation was. What's my purpose? He put me in a group of the 10,000 students who came before me. I wanted the experience. I wanted the exposure. I wanted to see different mindsets in, in, in rooms and spaces. I wasn't worried about the education. And I was driven to have those experiences, which meant I was going to show up. I wasn't going to get burnt up. I spent 14 years in a cell. Going to three colleges is easy. Yeah. If you didn't know me, he categorized me with the group or the masses. But I'm going to class on three campuses. And I'm doing wonderful. I'm engaging and I'm learning. The text was easy. I'm seeing groups of people that I would have never interacted. And I did that, then then somebody came to me, a Christian volunteer from the prison, Pat Dempsey. Shout out to Pat Dempsey. Um, He came to me and says, Dre, I see you working hard. I'm gonna do this for you. He took me to Boston College, and he walked me to the office. There was a guy named Father Woods. who was a priest that worked at the school, and he introduced me to Father Woods. And Father Woods walked me in his office. He grabbed a book and he said, here, pick what classes you like. I picked four classes. He said, Duran, you stop Monday. <laughs> okay, I'm at Boston College, one of the top schools in the area. I'm in class on Monday. And I'm going to class. And I'm getting great grades. And I'm going to class. And one day I needed something. So I went to Father Woods' office. And I said, um, I need such and such. They said, well, hold on. me pull your file. They went and they pulled my file. And she brought it back. She says, you don't have an application. I said, what's that? And she put my file on the table. It was a yellow sticky note in it from Pat to Father Woods. And it said, Father Woods is a remarkable man. He has all the gifts that you could ever ask for. He just needs a chance.
2: That was my application for Boston College. Wow. Wow. I feel had that. a lifetime scholarship. Because somebody spoke up. For me. That's $50,000 a year. Wow. And when I saw that.
0: It just to this day. Power of God is real. Mm-hmm. If you're in the grace and you're in the network. It works. Mm-hmm. And people want to help. People want to see you do better. It was predicated on me going to those three schools, giving my all, staying out of prison, doing my all. And people see the good that you do. They want to amplify it. So I didn't have to audition. I just had to be authentic.
1: Mm, I love that. I didn't have to audition. I just had to be authentic. So it really is about finding what motivates you and just pushing be successful in that and don't listen to the voices of other people you know (laughs) but find what motivates you from the heart and then follow
0: that i can read a scripture and it'll mean something to me i'll run into a scholar and he'll tell me it means something else because he's exercised it exegesis it and he's (laughs) broken it down he's run 30 books on it it's not that serious the bible can be read by any man and it speaks clearly the fact that you've read and researched every word and syllable in latin i'm I'm glad for you the spirit is real it's a living testimony and you can get interpretations or guidance from people or you can just read the book yourself Mm -hmm. if we are the manifestation of god then what do i need to explain to you Mm. yeah
1: no i love that i love that so finish the story for me how did you how did college finish out for you we're gonna take a quick break but when we get back we'll have more lessons tips and things you can apply to your life stay tuned how many of you out there feel like your life is chaotic crazy and completely awful compared to the norm what if i were to tell you you are normal for you I'm so excited to tell you about my book, Normal For Me, Learning to Love and Accept Life's Detours with God's Help. This book took me 10 years to write, and I share 20 years worth of lessons learned in my life detours, including being in a car accident and having two of my children diagnosed on the autism spectrum. In this book, I share the secrets of how I made it from despair to peace with God's help. I talk about being a zombie mom, living in survival mode, learning true faith, and how I debunked the myth that God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Normal For Me also includes a bonus diagnosis survival guide at the very end of the book in which I share 12 tips to survive and thrive in tough times. So what are you waiting for? Grab your copy of Normal For Me today on Amazon Or on my website, TamaraKAnderson.com. Finish the story for me. How did did college finish out for you?
0: College was going extremely well. And then I had a mentor at the time who his story was, was hanging around gang members, getting in trouble. Somebody pulled him up, put him at Harvard. He was in school. He was doing well. He dropped out and he started an outreach ministry in the church of which I had become a part. So I'm on track to graduate from Boston College. And he saw this. He said, Andre, you're, you're away too much. We need you here in the office more. You're not here enough. And he indirectly convinced me to drop out of college. What I didn't understand at the time was he didn't want me to graduate because he didn't graduate. Mm. And I trusted him blindly. And whatever he said, that's my guy. He's with me. He am saying, this is my pastor my partner. We're rolling together. We're doing saving souls and helping people. So when he told me what we were doing with him was more important than me going to college, I didn't question him. Mm. And I left college. And I went to the ministry full time, never understanding his motivation. Because he didn't want me to have the, the testimony that I graduated when he did. Because it made him feel less than. Mm. So his insecurities derailed my college career because I didn't ask the right questions. I had blind faith. You have blind faith in God, not in man.
2: Hmm.
0: I had blind faith in a man. And he did what people do. Their personalities and egos get in the way of my success. And so I dropped out of college and I did the ministry full time. He made it sound like it was the thing I was supposed to be doing. And so I did it. And so I never graduated from college at that point. Hmm. I had to step going to the ministry full time. And I came to realize that his motivation became clear to me. And his spirit became clear to me, and I left. And I started over. I said, I walked away. $25 million company. I walked out the door. We did $25 million my first four years. They kept telling me I was the golden goose. Andre's the golden goose. People love Andre. They write checks to Andre. Foundations love Andre. Companies love Andre. I'm the golden goose. And because of me being there and my testimony and my walk, agencies, foundations, city governments would just write checks to him because he had the golden goose. Mm -hmm. And I knew what my job was to be the golden goose. And it's not a bad job. I got a nice house. I got a nice car. I get to help people. I get to go to nice restaurants. This is great. I'm the golden goose. It's a great job. And somebody came and whispered in my ear, Dre, you're not the golden goose. I said, yes, I am. (laughs) Oh, this is a great job. Why are you hating on my job? He said, Dre, you're not the golden goose. I said, yes, I look. $25 million, look, we have an office in the White House. Look, we're accepted at universities across the world. Look, we have people from around the world coming to us because I'm the golden goose. It works, I have no complaints. He said, Andre, he said, what? He said, you're a golden eagle. So you don't have to sit there and let somebody else benefit off of you. You're allowed to fly and spread your wings. And he explained to me what being the golden eagle was versus a golden goose. And from that day to this, I've been to over 30 countries. Wow. I've sat with ministers and presidents. I've sat with some of the biggest thought leaders on the planet because I stopped being his golden goose sitting in the pen. I started flying. I said, he said, they convinced me that I was a goose when I was really an eagle. Hmm. I've been soaring ever since. Wow.
1: I love that comparison. And so I guess the lesson to take from that is get your guidance from God. <laughs> don't trust blindly in man, right? But, but also God sees us as eagles flying and don't settle for anything less.
0: Right? It, it was a great job. I'm not gonna lie. The golden goose was a great job. <laughs> and because it was a great job, I didn't think it was better. Fresh out of prison, Stepped out of prison in the first four years, $25 million. I'm at the White House. I'm at I mean this, it doesn't get much better than this. I thought. How could it be much better than this? It can always be greater if you let go and let God. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you the 20 is, is all in the past. That's small stuff. When I first first came home from prison, I was in a program. And, I, and again, you get around people with limited beliefs, they try to put you in that box. And the guy insists I get a job. So I found a job that was going to pay $65,000 a year. And the program director only made 50. And because I was young and in my way, I'm going to buy a Mercedes Benz, I'm going to get some jewelry, I'm going to do this, I'm going to fly around. And it made the director feel uneasy because I'd be making more than him and money is a lever. He said, you can't have that job, Andre. I said, why? He says, it pays too much. And you haven't been faithful for a little, so you shouldn't be given a lot. I was like, man, this is a legit job. I'm going to sell insurance. I'll make money. And I can spend my money on what I want. No, no, Dre. And he kept blocking the job. So they called the pastor down from the church, the deacon or whatever. We sat in the room, and it was for them and me. And they kept saying, I couldn't take this job. I'm in a church program. I said, what is your reason? He said, you haven't been faithful of a little, so you shouldn't be given charge of a lot. I said, is that what you're standing on? He said, yes. Pastor, is that what you're standing on? Yes. Deacon, is that what you're standing on? They all said, yes, we're standing on this scripture. Into the Bible, that's true. What God said is true. Faithful a little, be faithful a lot. You haven't been faithful a little, so you shouldn't be given that $65,000 job. I so said, I got one question. They said, what is it? I said, what if 65000 is a little bit for me? <laughs> He's, he screamed no so fast, right? No! I said, well, have you talked to God this morning? He said, no! I was like, hold up. And I can tell you this. I was on a call yesterday. There's an association that I'm working with. They govern $21 trillion. They give away $23 billion a year. And they just brought me on to help them manage and facilitate the giving of $23 billion. So I wish I could get that guy back on the phone and say, oh, by the way, right?
1: It <laughs> so was a little for me.
0: <laughs> it was a real, real little for me. So it's not even about the money. It's just that he tried to put me in a situation that he was in. I'm sorry that he has trauma bonds, but don't give me your trauma bonds. So I run into people who've been hurt, unhealed, raped, beat, robbed, and they try to make me live in that space. So no, and I literally just said, what if 65,000 is a little bit? I am literally just started a job where I'll be co-managing or facilitating $23 billion. Mm. That's and amazing. you can't let people use scripture because all four of them said they're quoting the Bible to me. The Bible says and they use it from one perspective to fit, to fit their purpose. The Bible is real. It is honest. It's accurate. And it's a living document. that made for your greatness. But people tend to exploit it to leverage it to their point of view. Mm-hmm. don't let a man shrink down the word of God
1: yeah I love that I love that you look at it as God is a God of abundance and he isn't the one that places limits on it it's ourselves right, right. and so we need to learn to break those shackles off of us and say I I, I want to get rid of this and God can help us get rid of it you're, you're living proof of that that we can break free and, and leave those things behind and live in abundance. But you got to break I mean, through those limitations.
0: It's not even like the, the money is not even a thing for me, it's I get to be in the room. And if I listen to small minded people, I would live in small rooms all my life. Mm-hmm. It's not my money, but I get to be in the room. And I actually get to have a contributing voice And people's limits shouldn't have to be your limits. That's what I tell people. What he said was accurate, but the way he said it was manipulative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't try to prove points with the Bible. Just try to share wisdom.
1: Yeah. Well, and then allow people to make their decisions. Exactly. Yeah. No, I I think you've hit on it right there. Share but then allow that agency. And obviously you chose that. I'm not gonna listen to that because 65,000 is little for me.
0: <laughs> I you got job? It. They stopped the job, but I maintained the mindset. There,
1: There you go. They stopped the job, but I maintained the mindset. I love that. Man, you are just full of awesome one-line quotes. I'm gonna to have to make a whole section in my show notes, just of Andre's I one-liners. I, <laughs> I sure will. I sure will. Oh my goodness. Well, you have given us so much here of breaking free, letting, listening to God, not listening to the world. I love, love, love this. Has there become, has there been a Bible verse or a section that has spoken to you that has become super meaningful to you in your journey?
0: Well, Yes, when I first got saved, June 12, 1999, at seven o'clock, with Father, Father Martin from St. Basil's in the closet at the prison during a retreat called Cursio. There's a Cursio retreat, decalos to all my curse Easters. And the Catholic Church comes to the jail and they do this big retreat, and a guy recommended that I go. So I went, long story short, greatest weekend of my life, I got saved. And then after I got saved, I'm, I'm moving around. I had already been going to Jewish services not to be Jewish, but it was a great rabbi who taught great stuff. He was a teacher to me, not a religious figure. And Natan is like my favorite mentor to this day. So when I got saved, and I was like, OK, I'm in the church, then I was actually going to Catholic services at the time because I went to a Catholic program. Then I went to the Protestant services because that's where Black people go. <laughs> so I went to the Protestant <laughs> services, and they jumping around. jumping. I couldn't keep up with Galatians 6, Matthew 5, I couldn't keep up. So I went back to, cat. I went back to mass. And the thing about mass is it's the same every week. You don't have to ask questions, you just have to show up and listen. And after a while you catch on to the homily, the lessons and even the songs are the same. So I was able to, I couldn't sing, so I really fit in. So I went and I learned every week and I got a story, I got a lesson, I got a guide. I got a story, I got a lesson, I got a guy. And I was able to absorb the Bible and lessons in mass, better than for me than being in a church that's moving 100 miles an hour. And I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. Then I said, okay, they hand me a Bible. This is the Bible that I had the weekend I got saved. This is not just any Bible. And the retreat that we did, this is the book. This is my book. And so, and that's the other thing. During the weekend, when they gave me my Bible, it was first time I ever had a Bible. And it was a great weekend. I'm like on fire. So I'm mm-hmm. running around telling people to sign my Bible. I'm like, yo, sign my Bible. So I have all kinds of, oh. this, these are the four guys that set the table with me for okay. that week. And my entire Bible is people writing on it. You know what I'm saying? And they that told me awesome. when I was, Trey, you can't have people sign your Bible. I said, this is mine. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do here. I'm like, well, this is what I do. I remember this day. I want to remember these people. No, nah, Dre, you can't do that. I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> so I have tons and tons. Everybody, every last person who's on my weekend when I got saved is in here because they're part of my transformation. And I never wanted to forgive them. And then I, ha- I, so I'm a Christian. Cool. So you go, I said, Psalms 23, yeah, I walk through the valley of shadow of death. I should feel no evil was a psalm I had heard a thousand times over because I've been in to too many funerals to count. So I'm thinking that this is going to be my favorite psalm because it's the only one I've ever heard. So this is my thinking, the new believer. I'm going to start at Psalm 1, read all the way through to Psalm N, then I'll get the context for 23 and it'll make even more sense. Nobody told me they didn't line up.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I started at 1, went through, got to 30, and I realized that it don't line up. And then 23 wasn't my favorite psalm. I realized Psalms 3 was my favorite psalm. Psalm 3 spoke to me way more than Psalms 23. So I'm going to share with you Psalms 3, which is my favorite Bible verse of all time. The psalm of David, when he fled his son, Lord, how many of my foes, how many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him, but you are shield around me. My glory, my one who lifts my head high. I call out to my Lord and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I awake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands assailed on me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike my enemies on a jaw, break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessings be on your people.
2: Hmm.
0: So they were saying that I would never make it. They were saying that I should just fall away and die. You know what I'm saying? And every time I woke up, I never understood why. God woke me up. And then for me, God punched my enemies in the mouth. That's tough. I I used to punch people in the mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I literally used to punch people in the mouth and break their teeth. So God's gonna do it for me. I'm like, that's my God. I'm there's a scripture that says turn the other cheek. That's not the one that got me. God said you get out the way, I'll punch them in the mouth fight you. and break their teeth. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that works. so I mean I couldn't serve a passive God and passive scriptures don't really fall as deep in me as these and that's 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 my one mm-hmm. and then my rabbi when I told him he didn't get mad that I became a Christian he was still my guy his wife actually got this for me it's a Hebrew psalm book and oh. she got it for me because Psalms 3 I thought it was my favorite and she brought it to me in a Hebrew psalm book so these are the two books that I keep next to my bed. Oh. And since 1999, for 22 years I've been home, these two books sit next to my bed. And initially they were written in my will to go in my grave. With they were going with me.
2: Mm-hmm. and
0: Now they've been passed on to my son. I stopped being selfish. <laughs> so instead of them going into my grave with me, they're going to go to my son as family. These are my, these are my family heirlooms. Mm -hmm. these are these are things that got me started so before there was people telling me a little over a lot or yes over no these are the things that i had these are my shields these -hmm. are my guideposts and you will never find a house that i live in that these won't be two feet from my bed
2: Mm.
1: i love that and 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 that just shows the power of the word of god You know, that when you find it and it sinks into your soul, it just resonates and empowers you to be successful, right?
0: And success is defined by you, not by the Joneses.
1: Yes. I love that. Amen. Amen. Oh my goodness. So why don't you share with us? You have your Bibles that are your amazing resources. What other resources can you share with us? And please don't be bashful to talk about your book.
0: <laughs> um, well, my personal book, The Academy, the Ambassador of Hope, is my life story. There was a guy named Joe Polish, John Rulin, and Cameron Herold. And they wanted my story to be told. They said, you have to get your So they went to Tucker Max from Scribe. And they said, you have to do Andre's story now. I tried to work with ghostwriters and writers before, but it never worked out. The scribe method was flawless. It was simple. It was true. They wrote a, they helped me with my book. When I read the final draft, I cried. Oh it was my story. And my story is just that I can go from the basement of the prison to the White House. I can go from being a gang leader to a lecturer at Harvard University. I can go from selling drugs on the yard to actually negotiating deals at London Business School. I can go from thinking 65,000 is a lot to a 23 billion, that there's nothing that can't be done if God is with you. Mm. And if you put limits on yourself, then you put limits on yourself. I just wake up in the morning and say, what can I do to be helpful? Which way do you want me to go? And I go, and the message I, the trumpet sits behind me as a reminder of never give up your dreams. Mm-hmm. I don't play anymore but it's, it's, it's right next to these two. <laughs> Every day I'm sitting in my office when I'm on i I'm on a zoom, I'm in the business deal. I'm helping somebody it's don't give up your dreams.
1: Yeah. Well, and you have achieved them.
0: And, and I don't think you're at the peak
1: yet because God is still using you for good. And here. he will, <laughs> he will use you your entire life. And I think it's amazing that, the the amazing transformation that you have that you have gone through with God's help.
0: He speaks to you. When I was a little kid, my mother used to walk around the house singing gospel songs. My mom's a big believer and she used to sing. So to this day, every Sunday I play nothing but gospel in my house as tribute to my mom. She's still with us, but that's my mom. I play Sunday gospel for mom. I put it on and it'll just play all day. And when I was a kid, I used to go to church with her to Bible, to um, choir rehearsal. And my favorite song became Amazing Grace. Oh, yes. And I said to the choir director, I said, listen, I'll make a deal with you. If you sing Amazing Grace, I'll come here every week. <laughs> and he would sing. I would sit through, Bible, I mean, through choir rehearsal all day and as long as I got my song. And one week, they forgot to play my song and I stopped going. (laughs) When I first got locked up, I'm in a county jail. I got in a fight and I ended up in segregation. And I got got like a napkin and a pen and I wrote out the words to Amazing Grace. I knew all the words. The only song to this day I know all the words to. And I can tell you honestly, the entire time I was locked up, I would sing that song. Mm. No matter how bad I was, how much trouble I got into, what I was in the middle of, that was a mainstay. I knew I would sing a song. Mm-hmm. I would always sing that song. And it carried me through 14 years of prison. It carried me through my valley of death. It carried me through all my misgivings. And I should have went off a cliff. That song. That's my song.
1: Oh, I love that. Well, Andre, for sure, there are going to be people who want to reach out to you and find you on social media, on your website. Will you please share how we can contact
0: you? They can always call you. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. My website is simple. It's AndreNorman.com. My Instagram is simple. It's at Andre Norman. My Facebook is simple. It's Andre Norman. My LinkedIn is Andre Norman. And... My, if you go to, if you want to send me an email, you go to the website, it'll say admin at Andre Norman and my assistant will get it, but um, I'm not hard to find. Awesome. Not hard to find. I got a simple policy. You call me, I'll pick up.
1: <laughs> that is wonderful. Well, Andre, this has been such an honor to have you on today to help us realize that no matter where we are or where we've been God can help us reach a potential far beyond our
0: wildest dreams, right? Exactly. I always tell people, if you're confused about the power of God, go outside and look at a tree and ask yourself, what created that tree? Ask yourself, what created the lake? Ask yourself, what created these birds? Or I look at the, inter- the, the, the system that we call our body. How it all works together—from from from reproduction to growth to vision to sight to to hearing—to everything works. What Big Bang didn't create that. What created this flawless system that works? What created clouds? Man can't create clouds. He can make his little copy of them. Something created this whole ecosystem, and that something is called God. And if you study nature. You're studying God. So I don't try to get caught up in everything I don't know. I know that tree outside my window was created by God. And it drops to the ground the things we need to eat. It breathes out the air that I need to breathe in. That's not an accident. The trees which surround the earth breathe out the thing we need to breathe in. That's intentional. So get close to God. Which is get close to nature and just study. Just be one with nature. Just go lay in the grass. It's the best feeling ever. Some people in Minnesota want like to lay in the snow. Works too. <laughs> I prefer the grass or the sand, but there's those in Minnesota who want to lay in the snow or Canada. So close to nature is close to God and study God. The word of God is great. Study God and it'll lead you. The world works been working for millions and billions of years so there's
1: something to that amen amen hey thanks so much for listening to today's show if you like what you heard subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of powerful stories of hope i know there are many of you out there who are going through a hard time and i hope you found useful things that you can apply to your own life in today's podcast if you would like to access the show notes of today's show May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help you bear the burden. And above all else, remember God loves you.